Welcome to Money Isn't Scary, a podcast for women to explore our fears around money and inspire each other to be financially empowered. I'm Megan Dwyer, and I'm making it my personal mission to remove the taboo around money and help women rewrite their stories so they can stop staying small and begin to live life on their terms. In this show, we get real and uncomfortable as we unpack our beliefs, thoughts, and behaviors that aren't serving us anymore. I can't wait for you to join me on this journey. So let's dive in. Hi, you guys. Welcome to today's episode of the Money Isn't Scary podcast. I'm your host, Megan Dwyer. Today, I'm sharing my conversation with Tracy Bingaman. Tracy is a multidimensional working mom and coach who guides other working moms to become fulfilled, balanced, and the ultimate unicorn, right, happy while creating the life that they actually want. This was such a fun, real, and honest conversation because Tracy gets it. She's been there. She's had the mom guilt, and she's realized that this frenzied pace of life and demanding job were not the life that she actually wanted. And I just feel like so many of us can relate to this. She had this wake-up call to do things differently, and now she's encouraging other women to do the same. This is just such an inspiring and genuine conversation, and I really think you guys are going to enjoy it. So here's a little bit more about Tracy. Tracy is a working mom coach who helps other working moms take back control of their income, build a life with a solid financial foundation, and also help her clients live the life of their dreams, right? Create the work-life balance that they want And experience the peace that comes from a life with all the time in the world and all the money that you know what to do with. Sounds pretty amazing. She's also the host of a podcast, Fulfilled as a Mom. In our conversation, we talk about how taking time for ourselves is not selfish. Our internal dialogues, uh, breaking generational patterns, the excuse of busy. Judgment, which is one of my favorite and uh, juiciest topics to dissect, and so much more. You guys can check out Tracy's podcast, Fulfilled as a Mom, anywhere where you can find podcasts, where she talks about um, all kinds of encouragement and advice for other working moms who are also feeling overwhelmed. You can check out her website, tracybingaman.com. That's uh, T-R-A-C-Y-B-I-N-G-A-M-A-N, where you can find out more about the podcast, her coaching, and lots of other resources that she has available. She's also out there on social media. She's on Instagram at Mrs. Tracy Bingaman. And you can join her Facebook community, um, the Fulfilled Moms Club, where she provides real-life advice, tips from her, and just a community of other women who are going through the same thing right now. All right, you guys. Here's my conversation with the inspirational Tracy Bingaman. Enjoy. Hi, Tracy. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Oh my goodness. Hi, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited to spend this time with you today. Me too. And I think us recording this today is very timely with Mother's Day coming up this weekend. And so I want to just get right into it. I'd love to have you start by telling the audience a little bit about yourself and what your mission is in the world. 
Yeah. So I am Tracy Bingaman. I describe myself as a multi-passionate woman on a quest to find fulfillment for me in my life and along that journey, help as many working moms to be able to do the same in their own lives. Um, I am a wife and a mom and I work full-time as a plastic surgery PA. So I wear a lot of hats, but one of my favorite ways to show up in the world is coaching other moms to really find and create a life that leaves them feeling really fulfilled when their head hits the pillow at the end of the day, not busy or bedraggled or worn out or exhausted, but really on fire for what they get to show up and do in the world. So that is a little bit about me. I absolutely love it. And it's so needed because I talk all the time on my show about that feeling of just exhaustion and burnout and just not knowing what we want and who we are in the world. Right. And and so, so many of my listeners are working moms and, and I think this would be a really good opportunity for you to share your experience, like your story, you have a really cool story about how you came to be a life coach. And I'd love to have you share that. I think that would provide a little bit of insight for those listening. Yeah. So I have been a PA for 10 years and during that time had a lot of amazing experiences and great jobs that I loved and a lot of jobs that asked more of me than I was either logistically able or, you know, kind of willing to give to them. And so I myself walked through a period where I was really burned out. I was working 50 to 60 hours a week. I wasn't home for dinner or baths or bedtime that time that as a working mom, I had just grown to cherish with my kids, the opportunity to connect with them after a day apart, I ended up getting really sick. And one day My youngest called me stupid for being working and not being able to play with her um, after a long, long night on call. And over the course of the next week, my husband and I put our heads together and decided that that job was no longer serving me or our family. And I resigned. And when that happened, a bunch of my working mom friends said two things. Like one was like, whoa, how do you respect yourself enough to say like, no, I'm not willing to do this job. That's not serving me anymore. And two, how can you afford to quit and not Mm -hmm. have a job lined up and not know what's next and know like you're marketable, but not like where your paycheck is coming from in six weeks, once you're done working for this organization. Um, and from that, that, yes. Um, And my answer to that was always like, we were very diligent for years before this. Like most people with a two income household can't lose one income and not sweat at all about where your bills are going to come from the next month. And from that was born this teaching and this platform, this podcast that I have and working with moms to really take control of their time and their money so that they can make decisions like walking away from jobs that aren't serving them or going part-time or adjusting their schedule. So they're more available to show up for their family in a way that's healthy and good for everyone. And it also in a way that's not making it so they can't make their mortgage payment next month. So this is so fascinating. I want to get into a little bit of maybe the, the nitty gritty of it. So what does that look like? I guess, you know, what would it, 
initial engagement with a client who is burned out, right? A woman who's burned out, she's got kids, she's pulled in tons of different directions because she's going to work every day and is drained from work. So what does taking control look like, I guess? And where does it start anyway? Yeah. So oftentimes when we are in this cycle of busy, 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 rushing from here to there, we're overscheduled, we're overcommitted. We have so much to do, or we tell ourselves we have so much to do. We don't think we have time to make the space to do the thinking, to get clear on what we actually want. So oftentimes we're just rushing, rushing. We're too busy to stop and really just sit in silence, be with ourselves and think about if my life didn't look like and feel like it does when I am stressed and anxious and rushing everywhere, what would I want it to look like? And so oftentimes we don't have the time or the energy to do that with things the way they are. So oftentimes where we start is looking at your calendar auditing what you're doing and evaluating what can you step back from? What can you outsource or offload onto someone else? What things are you doing because you feel like you should do them or a good mom would do them that maybe your kids don't actually need? And how can you create some margin in your life? So you have the time and the space to figure out what you actually want to do, because a lot of people are quote unquote successful. They got married, they got the job, they did the career, they have the external strappings of success, but they still feel like they don't love their life. Like they, if they could design it all over again, the, the way that today felt rushing from meeting to meeting and daycare drop off to work and work to daycare and home to do homework and baseball practice and bedtime and rinse and repeat tomorrow is not what they would say they want their life to look like or feel like, but it takes time. And, and thoughtfulness and energy and sitting in some silence and discomfort to feel, to figure out what you really wish your life looked like. And if we don't have a target, we will miss it every time. Right. So part of this process is stepping back and saying, I don't love the way my life looks and feels, but I need to figure out first what I want it to look like before I can start to take steps to make it that new life, that different life that feels better to me. Yeah. And that touches on identity as well. Right. And and this is, I just did a, a podcast episode a few weeks ago on identity. And I think so many of us working women, moms in particular, just don't even know because you become, for me anyway, I know that I thought I knew who I was. And then I had kids and I was like, the culture told me what I was supposed to do and how I was supposed to act and how I was supposed to think. And then I went back to work and you know, again, I'm kind of morphed into this kind of working mom culture, but that's not necessarily what I want either. Just to, like you said, running around. And so I think, you know, and I recommend taking similar steps as well, just slowing the roll a little bit and actually taking time to be intentional. So much easier said than done. Right. Mm. But I feel like as women, we don't know who we even are. And we need to start and what we even like to do. My husband asked me the other day, what I want for mother's day. And I was like, I don't know. He's like, well, do you want to do something? I don't know. I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I feel like several years ago, I would have been able to answer that, but I, yeah. it's very hard for me right now. And this is so pervasive. So if you're at a party with new neighbors, like you're at a block party and someone says like, Hey, nice to meet you. 
what do you do? You are going to, you know, or who are you? You're going to say, I am Tracy. I'm a PA. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. And that's actually what you do, not who you are. So oftentimes we start listing these roles. I am a wife to this person. I am a mom to these people. I'm a stepmom to these people. I'm employed by these people. I work, serve my work in this way, but you're not saying who you are or what you love. And part of that is because becoming a mom is overwhelming and loud and distracting and little kids don't care what you're interested in or what your like desires are. They get tamped out by this overwhelming role that you've stepped into of being a mom and who you are and your passions outside of motherhood, they stop being a priority just because you're like, I don't have time. I don't have time to brush my teeth, let alone like go play tennis. Right. Like I don't, this like a hobby or like a creative pursuit, an entrepreneurial endeavor, something that you just do for you or for fun or a way that you show up and serve the world. It's last on the to-do list if it even makes it on the to-do list at all. So if you get nothing else out of this episode, it is to remind you that you are in and of yourself, a whole and unique human being who gets to have dreams and desires and passions and pursuits that have nothing to do with your kids. And that pursuing those actually will make you a better mom and a better wife and a better employee because you will feel more vibrant and alive and that you shouldn't feel guilty about having them or being curious about them or wanting to pursue something outside the realm of what you've done so far in your life. And it also, I think being true to yourself reduces the opportunity for resentment. Mm. Uh, I found that that is something that's come up for me a lot and I'm not alone. I know there's plenty of other women out there as well. You know, someday, sometimes you think, oh, well, this person has what I want and you feel kind of that inner resentment because you can't have it. Do you struggle? Mm. Do you see women clients that you work with struggling with that too? Yeah. Both resentment of other women that they see either in person in their lives or on the internet who they don't even know and the lives that they have, or another dynamic that comes up a lot is women feel resentful of their partners. So this partner who also became a parent as you became a parent, but society has told them that they're not a working dad they're just a dad, right? They don't have this label of working motherhood. Like we don't feel the need to specify like that dad is working. We just assume they're working. And if you're a mom, it comes with this qualifier, you're a working mom. And with that comes some freedom where dads feel like they can leave the house and they don't feel guilty about golfing or pursuing their passions. Moms have to justify why they're leaving or how it's going to benefit their kids or like why they're taking time away. And society has told us over and over again, you're the sole provider. You're the primary caretaker of your kids. That's the way that it's been. And so a lot has changed, right? Like we have more double income households than ever before. More women are working. Women are making more money. And yet in houses where women are the primary breadwinner, they're still doing the majority of the housework and the majority of the child rearing, and they're bringing in money, maybe even more money than their partner. So there's this big disconnect. And I think we start to resent our partners when we're like, you're doing more things for fun. You're getting more time away. You're kind of rejuvenating yourself so you can show up. Well, I'm doing more stuff that sucks my energy and that I don't enjoy like laundry and dishes and meal planning and grocery shopping. And I don't 
see this changing anytime soon. So we start to feel resentful when we're like, you have something that I don't have a mechanism to obtain. And also there is no end in sight. My youngest is three, right? Like we're going to be with kids at home for the next 15 years. And the way that I've been feeling and me feeling like I don't get to be myself. I don't even know who I am to be that person. And the thought of that, doing that for another decade and a half, it's very smothering. And I will start to resent my partner for their ability to be themselves inside the microclimate that is inside our home. Mm, That's so spot on. I feel the same, same way. And so much of that, I think comes from culture Mm. and there's the cultural expectations of a woman once she becomes a mom. And there's also just the generational patterns that we've been taught, right? So it's a combination of those two things. And I think, I'm guessing that a lot of your work probably is in identifying that some of these beliefs and stories that we've been telling ourselves for all of these years, or maybe things that were taught to us that we are, that we're not even conscious of, they're in our subconscious, just being aware of them and Mm. calling their bluff. Right. And I think starting to take intentional action towards breaking those generational patterns is probably it feels like a daunting task, but as a process throughout, you know, the, your whole ex- experience as a parent, right? Yeah. So if you, you know, have kids and you don't want your kids to feel like I've been a parent for seven years and I don't know who I am. And I don't know if it's allowed for me to pursue passions or things that I enjoy, the best way to show those kids that it is in fact, okay to have a hobby, take time away, invest in your marriage, do things that don't revolve around your kids is to model that behavior for them. And I think that we, we have this idea that doing it for ourselves is selfish. Like, Oh, I'm going on a girl's weekend. Oh, my husband has to deal with the kids all by himself and they're going to miss me. And like, I hope it goes fine and they don't need me. But what if you reframe that? And instead of saying me taking time for myself is selfish. And instead you tell yourself me taking time for myself is reminding my kids that what they need themselves is important. And that when they get to the point in their life where they are an adult and they get to choose that they can choose because they've seen me choosing again and again to prioritize myself, not at the detriment of them, but probably at the enrichment of their relationship with their grandparents or their dad or whoever is watching them in your absence. And that modeling that is probably one of the most powerful things that you can show your sons and your daughters that when they're a parent, they don't stop becoming a human being. Yeah. And that totally goes in alignment with how we were taught, right? Because Mm -hmm. I was sort of taught the opposite. I was sort of taught that you have to be a martyr, that you have to always Mm -hmm. be available for everybody at all times. And I don't think I realized how pervasive that was and how that I just absorbed that message until recently. Right. And then I I think so many of us don't even realize where some of these kind of internal motivations come from and that they may not be healthy for us because ultimately what we're doing and we have to see the impact now 
to our kids and we're teaching mm-hmm. our kids that, that this is the way that it should be. And, you know, then ultimately if we don't change anything then they're going to grow up thinking the same way and get and getting into those same patterns. Yeah. I think that to your earlier point, this internal dialogue, if we don't tune into it, we think it's true. So if you have been telling yourself that in order to be a good mom, you have to take homemade brownies to the bake sale. And like, that is the thing that defines you as a good mom. You might not even notice that that's in your mind because it's just sort of one with the rest of your thoughts. But if you take time to kind of step back and say, Hey, I'm going to challenge that preconceived notion. I'm going to say like, this thing's been running in my mind, telling me that this is the one way to be a good mom is to do it this way, but I'm not going to do it that way. I don't believe that to be true. I don't think that's serving me anymore. I'm going to identify that limiting belief or that thing that I've been boxing myself into and say, no, I don't think that's true. I am a great mom because I do X, Y, and Z, and it has nothing to do with bake sales and giving yourself permission to sort of let go that tiny constraint that you've put on yourself or the thing that you've said, Oh, I missed this one thing that my kid is do. And that makes me, no, it doesn't. You're doing a great job, right? Everyone's doing the best they can with the resources that they have and the information they have at the time. So I think identifying those limiting beliefs and giving yourself grace because no one is perfect. If you're listening to this and you're human, you're not perfect. Perfection is not the goal. Like it's not attainable. So let that go. That's not what we're trying to be. We're trying to do our best and our best today could be very different than our best tomorrow. And that's all part of being a human. I just did a whole episode on self-compassion and how important it is because as a recovering perfectionist of myself, I struggle with self-compassion and so many, I think, I feel like as a working mom in general, you are probably just wired for overachievement. That's a generalization, but that therefore, you know, the perfectionism, the black and white, that kind of mentality and really being kind to ourselves as we're starting to shift the way that we think about things and the way that we perceive, Mm -hmm. you know, the stories, the actions, the beliefs, the, the, our thoughts, because it's going to be a bumpy ride. You don't go from just believing something for your whole life, something that's ingrained in you to just changing overnight. And and all of a sudden, you know, I'm going to be a different kind of mom. I'm going to have a different kind of, like, that doesn't, that's not, that doesn't, that's not reality, right? That's not how it works. So um, I think being really kind to yourself and knowing that there's going to be a lot of ups and downs along the way is is like the number one first step in, in practicing that first before you even kind of go into all of the other, how to like the tactical things, how do I yeah. do this? And I think that you can change the narrative in your mind in one moment and feel really strongly that you've got it and that it's going well. And, and if you're not expecting twists and turns and setbacks and you questioning yourself, you're going to be disappointed six minutes later because you're going to immediately feel like, Oh, these thoughts are creeping in. I must be doing it wrong. This isn't working. Like I'm not actually this great mom that I said I was, but you are, and it's normal to doubt yourself. And anytime we try something new, it's not immediately like we never go back to the way we thought before we never go back to the way we felt before. It's a, it's a process always. Yeah. Well, this is just an example, right? So last weekend, so it was my mom's birthday and 
we had planned a little trip away. Just we were going to stay overnight in a town like an hour or so from here. And my husband was like, have a great time. Go enjoy yourself. We don't need you. We're good. Right. And so I did. We ended up going, bopping around, doing some shopping and having dinner late. And I got to bed late. And I woke up the next morning a little bit late because I didn't have a kid waking me up yeah. at 5.30 in the morning, but I had three missed calls from my husband because he had gotten sick that night. Everybody had a stomach bug. Over oh the no. And he's like, you were everyone's sick. I need you. You have to come home now and talk about like, you know, the bumps in the road. I was, I was in such a great place. I was like, Oh, I'm going to go away. I'm going to enjoy myself. This is like a big deal for me. I haven't done this in so long. And then all of a sudden, boom, here we are. I'm needed. And I have to get home as soon as I can. And I think that's something that's so common. I think we tend to think like things are starting to shift and I am a different kind of, I'm thinking about this differently. I've changed and all of a sudden, nope, not so much. And I think mm-hmm. that if it's, it's okay to expect, well, it's okay. First of all, to, to not expect that things will happen. And then of course things are going to happen no matter what, but so, so, <laughs> you know, have grace with yourself there, but it's also okay to just know that it's, this is a long process. This isn't going to just change overnight and you have to learn how to, you know, he's perfectly capable of handling the kids for another hour or two while I get myself together and get home. But it was this immediate guilt that I felt for being away. And I think that's really common among moms. Yeah. And I think that we miss seeing the benefits of that experience for dads and them appreciate what cleaning up vomit is like, right? Like we wouldn't wish that on anyone, but we also, we want our kids to see both you and your partner as capable parents who can deal with emergencies. And yes, you each have different strengths and different abilities because you are different people. But I think it's important for kids to know that like dad can handle this too. And, you know, we were all okay. And, you know, that sounds like a crappy situation, but you know, they were fine. Like you got home and they were fine and they weren't any worse for the wear. And if you had been home, it's like, you could have prevented them from getting sick anyway. So I think we take on too much responsibility, um, especially for things that we can't control. Like if you can't control it, you can't control it. Like these things happen. Um, and we all do the best we can, you know, and I also try to think of it in reverse. You know, you mentioned that you you don't call dads working dads. Well, if he was away, right. Or he had plans and this happened to us, would he be feeling guilty as well? And likely no. So it's just a very different kind of dynamic when it comes to, to moms versus dads. Yeah, for sure. I think that so much of that, as we said earlier, is societal. And I do feel this shifting, this revolution of moms who are saying, I'm going to challenge that. I'm going to challenge that assumption that I'm the only one who knows how to make lunches the right way or organize a school calendar or fill out the permission slip or help with the homework. Like you're not like you have a very capable partner who probably has a very good job where if you can hold a corporate meeting with your CEO, you can sign a permission slip, right? Like, and I don't know how to do it is really not a good excuse. So like, you've never done it before. This is typically where I, you know, how I do it. And I put it in this you know, pocket of this folder and it goes back to first grade. 
And then you've taught the man to fish right now. They know next time a permission slip comes home, it doesn't go on the counter for you. It can be signed and handled. And I think a lot of that we do to ourselves. We say, I'm the, I know what they want for lunch. I know what they want for dinner. I am the one who can do this. And we box ourselves into thinking that we have a right way to do it. And that our spouse does it the wrong way, just because it's different than the way that we do it. And oftentimes in that way, we make our spouse feel like they can't help because they can't help the right way, or they don't want to help, or they need, you know, sometimes it's just feels easier to do it yourself, which in the moment may be true, but in the long run probably isn't because then you're making lunches unless or until you transfer that responsibility to your kids and also probably feeling resentful as you're doing it. Do you think it's also a control thing? So I think it could be a control thing, or it could be that we kind of like to be needed. So I have had this conversation on other shows with guests on my show or being interviewed on other shows where if you are so busy, and I do think that like we say we're busy moms is like such a common phrase. And I'm going to challenge you to like, can you replace busy with something else? Like I'm the fun mom. I'm the present mom. I'm the exuberant mom, whatever you are. Can you replace that word busy with something else? But in being busy and in having no margin and no time for ourselves, it's a little bit safer because we're pretty sure we're not going to fail because we're not trying anything new. We're not stretching ourselves. We're not stepping outside of our comfort zone. If you had more time because your spouse was helping with things, if you had more time because you outsourced and paid for some help, then you might say, Hey, I've always wanted to write a children's book or run an Ironman or start a podcast or coach other moms or whatever it is. That is that kernel of a dream inside of you. And once you say that and you create the time to do it, now the possibility exists that you'll try it and won't like it, or it won't work out, or you won't succeed. And it's almost like safer to hide behind like, well, I'm too busy to start this company. I'm too busy to find a hobby. I'm too busy to do these things. And that's a defense mechanism, right? It's keeping us safe because we can't fail if we're not trying, but that's not really how life works. Like you don't grow inside your comfort zone. And if you're not trying, you're not growing, then you're probably not going to be feeling super fulfilled in that life where you're just sort of feeling like you're treading water for 20 years until your kids leave. And then you'll restart your life. Then you'll start to find something you're passionate about. Like the time is just as good now as it's going to be in 20 years. I love what you said about using the word busy. Cause I don't even think that we realize how much we say it. And to be honest, how boring, I guess, of a word it is. Um, and you're right. We do hide behind it all the time. I can't do this because I always have the excuses. I can't do this because I'm too busy. Something's always coming up, right? For me, it's like, I'm dying to do that yoga class. And for some reason or another, I never, I never actually book it because something inevitably comes up and I'm needed. Right. So I'm too busy to, to be able to do it, but I don't think that's really it. I think if I prioritized it and I had the intention behind doing it and making sure I did a weekly yoga class, then I would do it. And I think ultimately it would make me feel better and less burnt out a, to take the time for myself and b just to like get exercise, right. And do something that I haven't done in a while. 
but also kind of take that whole resentment and frustration and, and anger piece out of it. But I am using busy as an excuse. And I think I need to dig into that a little bit more. Yeah. And I think, uh, the way that you're describing that, like you have a family calendar and swim lessons went on it and your husband's golf schedule, whatever it is that is on the calendar. And then you look, do I have time for yoga? So why don't we put our shit on it first? Like, why don't we say like, this matters to me. This is a non-negotiable. This is a priority of mine. We're going to put it on here, like not in the place of something that we were going to do together as a family, but can I find a time to do it where I do it before I pick the kids up from daycare or right after I drop them off before I have to get to work? Like, where can it fit in? And to the listeners, I want to challenge you to say like, you should not be last on the list of things that are getting on the schedule because the way that life is and the way that modern things are with kids and sports and activities, like there will always be something on the schedule, but can you prioritize yourself first and put that on there? Not instead of, but alongside the other things that you're doing in your life, because it does matter. And it is important for you to move your body and to feel connected and to find peace and to do those things. And it's, it shouldn't be only if there's time, do I take care of myself? It should be something that you do as an integrated part of your life. Yeah. And not just the personal family calendar, also the work calendar. That's a big one that I think I struggle with. Cause if I don't put it, if I don't actually block it off on block my it. outlook yeah. work calendar, someone's going to book it, you know, it's going to be used in some other way. That's not in alignment with what I actually want. So putting it in the middle of my day or the beginning of my day or whatever it is, is the work part of it is almost harder for me because I feel like during, you know, these hours if the, from nine to five, I am, my focus is on work versus, mm-hmm. you know, actually having the flexibility. And we all know with being able to work from home and everything now, there's so much more flexibility. So to be able to do those things. So it's, it's more the permission and allowing yourself to do it. Yeah. I think that employers really love employees with poor boundaries, right? Cause they work harder. They do more, they log on earlier. They check emails at night. They do things that make them a little bit more productive in the moment, probably also more likely to burn out in the long run, but being diligent about boundaries. I was just having a conversation with someone today where she challenged me to flip the script. And instead of when an opportunity or a meeting or something is presented to me, instead of the default answer being yes, and then me having to come up with an excuse if the answer is no, having the default answer be no, and having to justify if it's a yes. I so talking yourself into, yes, that is something I want to do, as opposed to saying, I have to come up with a reason that I can't do this because I'm going to say no. Oh, that is an amazing challenge. I love that. Flipping everything upside down, everything that we're taught and everything that we've kind of just our default, right? Because we are always expected to do, to say yes to everything and taking, again, I guess it's, it's giving you the space to be able to be more intentional about it. If you don't say yes, you can't, there's nothing added to your plate, but you can think about it later if you want it added to your plate, but you can always, that that just creates space between Mm -hmm. you and whatever that task is. So that is really cool. The other thing that I work a lot with clients on is defining your currency in your current season of life. So 
when we were first married and we were really like, we have some strict financial goals. We want to do these things. A lot of our currency was money. We were willing to give up our time in order to make more money. We were willing to work harder, do overtime, pull extra shifts so that we brought in money that we were being diligent with. And then once we started having baby after baby after baby, we realized that now during this season, time is the currency by which we run our lives. And so no, I'm not willing to work extra because it will cost me time. And that time has specific inherent value to me and that matters. And so I just got an email this week about a baseball fundraiser for one of my sons. And it was like, we'd like every family to sell three to five racks of ribs and they're $10 each. And the baseball program gets 30% of the ribs. And I'm like, where can I send my check? Because I don't Mm -hmm. want to spend time selling ribs or buying the ribs or picking up the ribs or dropping off the ribs at the neighbor's house. I'm like, I will gladly send you a check because I don't want to spend the time, but I'm okay with spending the money. Like this is where my Mm -hmm. values are. And so I will glad, I want to support the baseball program. Like I'm glad it exists. My kids enjoy it. I'm going to support it in a way that is in alignment with what I value, not in a way that the league says, please give us, you know, I'm like, whatever you want families to contribute. I'm happy to do that, but I don't, I'm not going to go door to door hawking ribs. I'm just not. No, I, you know, and that's a great way to think about it too. I think that you really have, it all goes back to intention and you said it values priorities. And once you know what is important to you, right. Support you, obviously your kids, your family is very support, very important to you. And you want to support the activities that your sure. kids are in. Right. So perfect. But is there a better way than doing it the way that they want us to? And I get things like that all the time from my kids' schools and yep. You got to start a pick and choose. And yep. is the, in, in what particular activity do you want to participate in that's going to bring you value and make you happy at the same time while kind of making sure that you're also being helpful to the kid, but it's, it's all just breaking it down mm-hmm. and really making it a lot simpler, I think, than it, we tend to make things. Yeah. Um, we tend to overcomplicate things and and care more about what other people think of us than necessarily what we actually want to do and what we think of ourselves. And that's the thing. I think that the older I get, the less I care what other people think of me. And that has been definitely a journey where before I would have spent a lot of time fretting about what that like lead coordinator was going to think about my email saying like, thanks, but no thanks. Like I want to support you in this way. Like I'm being very clear. Uh, There is no question about like, huh, I don't really know if I want to do this or not. I was like, no, I will do this in this way. Where can I send my check? Do you do Venmo? Do you do PayPal? Like tell me the ways I can support you. And then I just went along with my day. I don't care what that coordinator thinks. Like if he thinks I'm a substandard mom because I'm willing to send money instead of selling ribs, I don't care because I don't have to live with that guy's regrets. I don't have to live with that guy's opinions of me. Like I don't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You're good. You're good. (laughs) One of the things that I would love to hear from you before we start to wrap up a little bit is what are some wins? So, so with your working mom clients, what are some shifts that you've seen like really concrete 
wins in their life. Like whether that's freeing up space for somebody to, I don't know, change jobs or accomplish a dream goal or something like that. I'd love to just hear some examples. Yeah. So I've seen just in the last couple of months, clients who really learn to value their time and themselves and seeing that just because someone is asking something of them doesn't mean that they have to do it. I've had clients leave jobs at organizations whose values didn't align with theirs and find ones where even if they were making a little bit less money and commuting a little bit further, or even if there was some minor sacrifice that they were working with an organization that really was in alignment with what they valued and that that was showing up in their day-to-day dealings with people and the way that they were functioning. And it really, like my coaching is a vessel. Like I don't tell people what to do, right? Like I help them come up with the solutions to what they're dealing with in their life. And I give them a new perspective and I help them to see their own strengths and opportunities that were there all along. If they take um, the time and sort of think about creating them when we're in the midst of a problem, I think oftentimes we're like, there's two ways out, right? I can do it this way. I can do it this way. Working with a coach helps you to say like, there are two ways to have been, that have so far been discovered out of this problem, but there might be a hybrid or some way that you haven't thought of or some different path that you can take. And ultimately it's up to you to decide if that has value and do you want to take it? And is it worth the effort? Because no growth or change happens without you putting in time and energy and effort and thought and feeling all of those things are required. And the coach is just there to say like, is that what you want? Do you want to do that? Is it worth the sacrifice? What would have to be true for your life to look like that? And just sort of to reorder kind of what you said success was and sort of saying like external success with a capital S looks like this, but to me, a successful and fulfilling life is one where I'm not working this much and I'm working part-time instead, or I'm home when my kids get off the bus and I'm able to go to soccer, um, where I have time to exercise and take care of myself. And then once you identify those things, like that's back up, like what are the steps to take you from where you are to build a bridge, to get to where you want to go? Yeah. And I think the other aspect of a coach is the accountability too, Mm -hmm. to make sure that somebody actually follows through with what they say they're going to do. Yeah. Because a lot of times the defense mechanisms come in, right? And that ultimately stems from fear. And if we're afraid to, whatever it is, stand up for ourselves, or you know, we're too worried what other people think about us, then that's going to get in our way. And to have somebody there to help us not get in our own way is really powerful. Yeah. I think the accountability is definitely worth the investment because you can have a really good friend give you advice. Who's not going to call you up and say like, did you do it? Did you do it? (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Can you tell us a little bit about your podcast? Yeah. So I have a show it's called fulfilled as a mom. It is topics of encouragement and advice for working moms who are 
you know, bogged down in the busy, overwhelmed season and who are wanting to create more space, more time for themselves to have better control of their money. Um, you can find it on YouTube or anywhere that you find your podcast. It's fulfilled as a mom. And I think that there's a lot of overlap in what you and I are doing from a teaching standpoint. So I think that your listeners would really find it interesting and beneficial. Absolutely. Hope they, everybody listens because it's so important to be able to to see it from that perspective, not just, I take, I take the same concepts from the lens of money, but also to take it from, you know, the lens of parenting and juggling everything else is just so, so necessary. I think if you could leave us with one piece of advice, what would that be? So I think everyone listening to this could be less judgmental of themselves as a parent. And so if you could do one thing to make yourself feel better, think about the voice in your head that is judging you and cutting you down and telling you that you're not good at this at all. And pretend instead that you're talking to your best friend and you're being really compassionate with someone who is walking through a hard season and try to talk to yourself that way instead, because you deserve the best friend approach, not the critical mean girl inside your head, giving you feedback and you'll feel better about yourself literally in the next hour. Like if you start doing that. Oh yeah. I I could not agree more. (laughs) Please tell everybody how they can find you and follow the work that you're doing and social media, everything, just throw it out there. Yeah. So I love to hang out on Instagram. I'm at Mrs. Tracy Bingaman and my website is tracybingaman.com where you can come to find more about the podcast, the coaching free downloads that I have resources there for you. Um, I would love to connect with you and have you join our community on Facebook. We have a group called the fulfilled moms club, um, where we share real life, unfiltered working mom things and advice and tips from me. Um, so I would love to have you head there and check it out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tracy. This has been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Thank you for having me. It's been a joy.